coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at MyBookie. If you haven't signed up for a new account at MyBookie, what are we even doing, guys? I know you know your stuff. College football season, yeah, it's in the rear view, but we are hot and heavy into college basketball, and I know you know your college basketball as well as you know your college football, so jump in on all the action at MyBookie, and it's simple, guys. Just go to MyBookie.ag, use that promo code we've been giving you for a couple of months now, UGA, and you will get a 50% bonus on top of your first deposit for all you new users, so it's a no-brainer, guys. You'll want to get in on the action, and there's no better place to do that at than at my bookie. But all right, guys, I am your host, Tyler. And after a couple of weeks of breaking news on the Georgia front, just story after story after story, development after development after development. I mean, how many emergency pods did we do in a row, guys? I think it was three, right? We do maybe three or four all year. It's been a wild couple of weeks. But now it seems like, at least for the time being, we can finally take a little bit of a deep breath and take more stock of the season that was, which means we can get to some of the things that we had planned to get to a couple of weeks ago in the immediate aftermath of the 2023 season. I know, I know guys, that we are a little late getting to some of this stuff, but between transfer additions, transfer additions that weren't actually additions in the case of Jordan Maiava, yeah, we already forgot about that guy, right? Uh, Then you have legendary coaches retiring, the Caleb Downs saga, we've been trying to do some Georgia basketball coverage, we've had to adjust those plans and push some things back. It's just had to happen. But over the next week, we're going to change that. We're going to do several episodes that, yeah, they might work better right after the season ends, but I still think they work, even if they might be a week or two or maybe even three late. We're we're still going to make it work. So here's what we've got planned for you guys. Today on the show, I'm going to run through our way too early 2024 depth chart. Now this one, it it still works. It didn't have to be done right after the season ended. We're fine. A couple weeks out, we're good. This one works. Now the episodes we're going to do next week, yeah, I would prefer to do them like the week after the season ended, but things happen, right? So on Monday, Charlie is going to be back on with me and we're going to try to get the whole band together. We're going to try to get Charlie, Curtis, and myself on the same episode. We just got to try to get everyone's schedules to align. But we're working on it. We're working on it, guys. But the plan is, whoever we can get on there, we're going to do a show that we do every single year in January, the What We Got Right, What We Got Wrong episode. So we're going to go back and we're going to look at every single one of our preseason predictions, the SEC predictions, all those those record predictions, our playoff predictions, SEC champion predictions, all of those things. And we're going to take stock of what we got right, what we got wrong, a little bit of accountability. And then on Wednesday, this was really a show I wanted to do in the, the first week after the, after the season ended. Just didn't work out this way, but we're still going to do it. We've got the 2023 Georgia Football Season Award Show. So on that show, we will be handing out a whole host of awards, offensive, defensive MVP, best newcomer, most outstanding player, and a whole bunch of others, guys. So we're going to have a lot of fun with that next Wednesday. And of course, we're going to continue to do our Georgia basketball coverage on a weekly basis. We'll have another episode for you guys on Friday, late Thursday night, Friday this week, and we'll do the same next week. And that's because we have Wednesday games, which means means I have to wait until Thursday to record, so we'll have those for you Thursday night and uh, Friday if you listen to them on Friday. So yeah, maybe a little bit late, but still a lot of good, fun stuff coming for you guys over the next week and a half or two. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the, into today's topic, which is, again, the 2024 way too early depth chart. I'm actually glad we had to push this one back a little bit because I did want to wait until we had as much clarity as possible as to what the 2024 roster will look like. I wanted to see what happened with the winter transfer portal window. I want to see what happened with guys to clear for the NFL, all that kind of stuff. Now, we still have the spring transfer portal window, which is going to open right for spring practice. I think May 1st is when it opens. I think it's May 1st through May 15th. So we'll see what happens there. But this is a way too early 2024 depth chart. So it doesn't matter what happens there. We'll revisit this. We'll do another depth chart projection. We'll probably do one right after spring. We'll do one right before the season. So this is just version 1.0, basically. This is based off what we know right now. Now, I know that we have 21 early enrollees from the 2024 class on campus right now that will be going through spring drills, 
and they're all very talented. I'm very excited about all those guys, certainly some more than others, but I'm very excited to have all these players. But most of them are probably not going to be on this depth chart with maybe a few exceptions because I need more info. I need more information about what these guys are in college, what they're doing in practice, how they're looking. So those guys will be more of a factor in the post-spring depth chart projection. Again, a couple of them will show up on this one, the way too early one, but not a ton. So just be aware of that. I know we have some studs that are coming in this class, guys. I know that. I know that. So I just want to make sure you understand I'm not forgetting those guys. I just want to see what we have in those guys. I want to see my own two eyes at G-Day. I know it's an isolated setting, but I want to see that. I want to hear from people I know and trust who are seeing these things at practice, and we'll revisit those guys in a couple of months. All right, enough explanation of that stuff. Let's go ahead and dive right in. Let's start with the offense, and let's start the most obvious position, the most important position on any team, the quarterback position. This is the easiest one probably in the entire team, right? Clearly, our starter is Carson Beck. That's why the game guy came back. He did not come back to sit on the bench. He is the undisputed starter. It's not even a battle. The battle is for that backup spot. Honestly, I don't even really think it's that much of a battle for the number two position because Brock Vandegrift has moved on and transferred to Kentucky. In my opinion, certainly entering the season right now, unless things really change through spring practice and more so into fall camp, Gunnar Stockton is that guy. He is going to be the number two quarterback. I am sky high on Ryan Puglisi. I've heard a lot of really good things about him in terms of what he's doing in workouts, but workouts are different than actual practice, guys. I, again, I believe in this guy. I believe he's going to be a big-time quarterback for us at some point, but this is year one. Gunner has has been in here, been in the system for a while now. He's going into year three in our system. He's got to be the number two guy unless something changes. Now, I'll be watching. We'll be paying attention, but right now, quarterback one is unquestionably Carson Beck, and I believe QB two is Gunner Stockton. So we'll dispense with that one. That's easy. Let's move on. I think wide receiver is still, I think it's pretty easy, but there's certainly a little bit more up in the air at wide receiver, especially with us bringing in some potentially impact transfers. We've seen these guys at other schools, but how will they fit into our system? We saw it took guys like Rara Thomas and Dom, uh, Dom Lovett, certainly Rara a little bit more than Lovett. Lovett was starting from day one, but it took these guys a little bit of time to pick up our system and figure out exactly what they were supposed to do in this new type of offense, especially Rara Thomas. And coming as we talked about last year, coming from Mike Leach's air raid offense to what we do, a much more pro-style attack, that was quite the adjustment for him. Now, he made that adjustment and was much more of an impact player for us from about week five or six on, but it did take a little while for that light bulb to go on. So we'll see what happens with the guys we're bringing in, with Colby Young, with London Humphreys, with Michael Jackson III, all very talented guys, but we'll, we'll see. Now, if I'm looking at the receiver positions right now, way too early 2024 projection. I'm going to go with Rara Thomas at the X because he manned that position the back half of the season until the injury. I think the slot receiver position is the one I have the most confidence in. I'm going to say I'm like 99.9% .9 certain that it will be Dominic Lovett because he is a guy that started that position from day one last year. Why is that going to change this year? Anthony Edwards is a really talented player. I think he's going to get more playing time this year. I'd probably put him right now as number two at the slot. Maybe potentially Michael Jackson third would have something to do with that. Now he'll he. I think he's a. I think Michael Jackson the third is a is much more of a slot receiver than he is anything else. But he has some positional versatility at USC. He did play multiple receiver positions. He did actually play out wide. It wasn't exclusively a slot. But Dominic Lovett is the starter there. And I think Anthony Evans is going to be a big-time player for us. I think he's going to make an impact for us in 2024. Now, is he going to start over Lovett? No, I do not think so. But we saw the flashes late in the season. We saw the punt return in the SEC Championship game. That was a very, very small sample size. But we got a bigger sample size in the Orange Bowl. I know Florida State, you know, obviously, as we all know, was not at full strength. But I don't care, man. I really liked what I saw from him when he was playing the slot. The slot fade to Anthony Evans is going to be a weapon for us. It should have been last year to Dominic Lovett. For some reason, we just didn't run that as much as I would have liked to have seen us run. But I think those are the two guys at the slot. I'll go back to the X. I skipped who I thought was going to be right there behind Rob Rod Thomas or in competition with Rob Rod Thomas. I think it's going to be Colby Young from Miami. In fact, I think there is a world where Colby Young could be potentially the starter at X to open the season. I'm giving Ra-Ra the edge because he has the experience in our system. It took him a while to, to get that experience and to kind of figure things out. But by the end of the season, he had figured things out and he was making some really big plays for us. So I'm, I'm going to give him the edge, but I really do not think there's much separation in terms of the skill talent, the skill level and the talent of Ra-Ra Thomas and Colby Young. In fact, again, I think there might be an argument to, to be made that Colby Young might be 
more naturally, physically gifted than Ra-Ra Thomas. I think Colby Young has the potential to be an alpha number one X receiver. Now, he wasn't quite that for Miami, but we also have to understand the context around that situation. They had a lot of quarterback issues the past couple years. I know that Tyler Van Dyke, as a freshman in 2021, was really good down the stretch. The back half of the season, he was playing as good as any quarterback in the country, at least in terms of the numbers he was putting up. Big-time numbers. But 2022 saw a pretty big step down for Tyler Van Dyke. And this year, dealt with a lot of injuries, another step back to the point that he fell out of favor and essentially lost the job to a true freshman who could not complete a pass to save his life. And Tyler Van Dyke lost the job to that guy before that guy got injured and Tyler Van Dyke got the job back and he was uninspiring when he got the job back. And so what did he do? He transferred out. Now he is at Wisconsin. So it just was a really unsettled quarterback situation for Colby Young the past couple years at Miami. And even despite that, he still put up good numbers. But I'm really excited about this guy. I think he has the potential in an offense like ours with the skill talent he has around him, with the talent he has at quarterback and Carson Beck coming back for a second full season as a starter. I think this guy has the potential to be a big-time wide receiver at the X position. So I'm going to give Rara right now a slight edge until I see what happens during spring practice. Now, Colby Young is going to be one of the guys I have my eye on closely during spring practice. Like G-Day, I, there's a couple guys. I always have a, a list of guys that I'm watching more close than others, at least on first watch. I'll go back and I'll watch the replay time and time and time again to watch everybody. But Kobe Young will be at the top of that list. I think he can be that kind of player for us. I mean, guys, he gives us something that no one else on the roster gives us at that position. The size, 6'5". He is a legit 6'5", and he can move. Rara's got good size, but he's 6'2". He's not 6'5". But again, as of right now, in this first depth chart projection, I'm going to give Rara the slight edge, and I'm going to go right behind him, neck and neck. It might be like a 1A, 1B scenario. I'm going to go Kobe Young there. And then at Z, I think it's going to be Dylan Bell. I mean, we shouldn't have the running back issues that we had last year in terms of death, all the injuries. I mean, that was almost unprecedented for us. I know it's the SEC and guys get hurt that position, sure, but we bring in three guys. We get Trevor Etienne coming in at running back. So I don't think that's going to be as much of an issue. So I don't think there's going to be a need for Dylan to play running back. I think the way that he stepped up late in the season at receiver and started to show what he could do at that position... I think that that certainly caught my attention. I'm sure it caught your attention. And our coaches had to have seen that. All right, like this guy has the potential to be a big time receiver for us. Let's stop screwing around and splitting time. I know we have to do it out of necessity, but I think if we dedicate this guy to that position, to being a receiver, I think he can be an impact player for us. And we saw that. We saw flashes of it down the stretch of last season when he was kind of pressing to duty due to injury. And also when our running back room got healthier. So I think Dylan is going to be our starting Z receiver. Now backing him up, there are a number of options there. Arian Smith could be one of those options. As of right now, it seems like he's at least going to give it a go through spring practice and kind of see where he stands on the depth chart. We'll see. I certainly hope that Arian... It ends up on our roster for this 2024 season because I know he's had his struggles. I know catching the ball, he had some issues with that this year, but the guy is electric. The guy has that speed that no one else on the roster has. I mean, hell, no one else in the SEC has that level of speed. That is a skill set that you want to keep on your roster if at all possible because he makes big plays. Now, he didn't make a ton of them, but he made a big play, obviously, in the Peach Bowl back in 2022, and he had a big play in the SEC Championship game. They gave us a chance to get right back in that game. Now, I wish we would have capitalized on, on that big play and, and put that ball in the end zone for six instead of to settle for a field goal, but hey, it is what it is. I think Arian would be the guy right now if I had to project. I think London Humphreys will also factor in. I mean, it really depends on how much of a step does Arian take this year. Does Arian get his confidence back? Does he start to do the little things that receivers have to do? And I, I hope that he can, guys. I'm telling you, I've, I mentioned this many times in the past, but Arian is a really, really good dude. He works really hard behind the scenes. The coaches love him. They respect him. The players love him. They respect him. They know what this guy puts in. I know he can be a punching bag at times because he's had this tantalizing talent, but it hasn't necessarily translated to the field the way that we want it to on a consistent basis, just in like isolated cases. So I know he can be a popular punching bag for the fan base. So I really hope that it works out for him. And I'm going to give him the, the edge right now because he has been in our system. And I think now that he's kind of had a couple of good off seasons they can put together, I mean, knock on wood, hope the guy stays healthy. I think that this might be the year for him. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. So right now, 
We're just going to go positive vibes and put Arian Smith out there. But London Humphreys will certainly have a say in that as well. I think he will certainly factor in the rotation in some way. But I, I, I right now, I would give Arian the, a little bit of an edge over London before we even get into spring practice. All right. So those are the receivers. A uh, tight end. This is a, a, a gaping hole, right? With Brock Bowers, the greatest tight end in the history of college football leaving. It's almost like the, the Alabama situation with Nick Saban. I, I think, as I've said many times over the past couple weeks, Kalen DeBoer is a really good coach, really smart coach. He's going to do a good job at Alabama, but is he going to be Nick Saban? No, he's not. It's impossible. It's kind of the same thing in our tight end position. Brock Bowers is a different dude. I called Nick Saban a one percenter. Brock Bowers is a one percenter at tight end. So whoever steps in for him is not going to be Brock Bowers. We have to understand that. And that's okay. Guys like that are extraordinarily rare. I mean, we're talking about a three-time All-American. Only three players in Georgia history can say that. The only tight end in the history of college football to win back-to-back Mackey Awards, okay? So yeah, whoever places him, not going to be him, but doesn't mean they can't be really good, right? And I find this to be interesting. So Del, Oscar Dell, when he came into Georgia, he was really more of that mover tight end that Brock Bowers always was. I mean, and mover tight end, guys, that's the terminology that's kind of become vogue in college football these days or in football in general to describe these like hybrid tight ends that, yeah, they can be in line and block a little bit, but they also go out there and they catch the football and that's what makes them great. The matchup problems, all that kind of stuff, all the things that Brock Bowers did, right? Dub was that guy coming into college. Like That's what he did in high school. He was a big time receiver, had a really good body, was a little thin, but when you have a guy like Brock Bowers, he is going to play that position. You know Oscar Dupp is really talented, and when Darnell Washington moves on, he's your obviously your next best tight end, but you need him to fill that role that Darnell Washington played, that more inline role. And we talked about this all season long. I thought he was playing out of position because that's not what he's built to do. Now, he got better at that as the season went on, and he also put on a good amount of weight in the offseason and through this season to be able to play that role. So that's why I find this interesting. At the way he played at this year, I don't know if he is the same type of mover tight end that he was when he came into Georgia and the same guy that Brock was. And I think he's still a really, really good athlete and a, and a really good pass catcher. I know he has those skills, but I'm curious to see, do we keep him in that more inline role because he made so much progress in that role last year and he wasn't great at it right away as a blocker early in the season. We know that, well documented. We've talked about it many times on this show, but he did really improve as the season went on. He got bigger, he got stronger. And in fact, I've heard reports coming out of uh, out of the, the team, out of the program, that like pound for pound, he's one of the strongest guys on the entire team. So do you keep him in that role? Or do you have him kind of go back to that more natural role that he had coming into college as a mover tight end? And if you do that, do you have him drop a little bit of weight, all that weight he added? Do you have him drop some of that, cut back a little bit so he can be more athletic out there like Brock was? I think that's a really important question. I don't know the answer. I don't know. I'm curious to see how we approach that during the spring. I'm very curious. I don't know the answer to that right now. So I think you can go either way with him. Right now, I'm just going to say let's keep him at the inline spot. Because my, my question then becomes, if it's not Oscar at the inline tight end spot, who is it? Because I don't think that Lawson Lucky is that kind of tight end. I think he's much more of a mover guy. And he doesn't have the frame that Oscar does in terms of being able to add weight. So it kind of makes sense to me right now that we'll probably try to keep Oscar in that role. And I would project Lawson Lucky to fill in that role of Brock Bowers as kind of that mover tight end. Again, it will not be Brock Bowers because Brock Bowers is like one of a kind. But I think Lawson is going to be that guy that does some of the things when we use him the way that we use Brock Bowers. Pierce Sperlin's an interesting guy because that's basically what he was in high school. If you go back and watch his tape from when he came out, that guy didn't even really play tight end. Like he was classified as a tight end because he was a big guy, he's a big body, but he played receiver in Florida. That's what he did in high school. He was a receiver. He has legit receiver skills. In fact, he probably has the best receiving skills of any of the tight ends on our roster right now. Jaden Riddell might have something to say about that. That guy has legit receiving skills as well. But Pierce Sperlin was a receiver in high school, guys. That's what he was. But you always do is play tight end in, in college because he had that body. But he's also added a lot of weight since he's gotten to Georgia. And like, I'm not saying bad weight, good weight, like needed weight. Because he was, what's the right, he was, um, so I don't I don't say soft in terms of like he wasn't like a, a, a hardworking kind of guy. That's not what I'm saying. Like he just didn't have much definition. All right, let's just say that he needed to hit the weight room, and he's done that. And he's gotten bigger. He's added on some good weights, added some good strength. And with his size, I mean, he's a big dude. I think he might actually be more of an inline guy, which is weird coming say, saying that about him considering what he did coming out of high school. But I think his body says that's the kind of guy that he is. I think Jade Riddell 
could maybe go either way. He's a big dude himself, but I love that guy's receiving skills. I think he's a really good athlete. I see him more in the mover role tight end, in my opinion. Um, but right now, I say uh, the inline guy is going to be uh, Oscar Delp. Then we're going to have Lawson Lucky as the Brock Bowers role, that mover tight end. I would say we're going to have Pierce Sperling backing up Delp and then Jaden Riddell backing up Lawson Lucky. That'd be my projection here in January. Again, we'll revisit things after spring practice and we see how our coaches are trying to approach that position. But right now, that's how I would look at the tight end position. But all right, guys, we've got plenty more to get to. Obviously, we got through a little bit here. But before I forget, I do want to tell you one more time about our great friends at my bookie. I know a ton of you have already signed up and you've been putting money in your pockets, but I also know there's some of you out there that have kind of been on the fence and haven't been sure. You've been hearing me talk about it for the past, what, three, four, five months now. But guys, go ahead and jump in. Like You don't have to put a lot of money into it. Just dip your toe in if you want. Sign up for a brand new account at MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use that promo code UGA. I mean, just put 50 bucks in if you want. Like, whatever you feel comfortable with. I always say, like, you have to bet responsibly. Like, we're not trying to, like, bet the house. We're not trying to, like, lose homes and, and all that. We're not trying to have to take out second mortgages. No, we're not doing that. We're having fun, guys. We're having fun. You got to bet responsibly. So, Put in whatever you feel comfortable with, but whatever you put in, they are going to give you a 50% bonus, give you a little extra cash to play with so you can line those pockets. So do yourself a favor, do yourself a solid. Again, go to mybookie.ag, use that code UGA and start betting today. I know college football is behind us, but we got college basketball right now. You can go ahead and add a little money, build up that bankroll. So when college football season does roll around, when the win totals do come out in May, you guys will have a little cash built up that you can go ahead and start laying some big bets down on the stuff that you feel really strongly about. So get started today. Again, mybookie.ag. Use that promo code UGA so you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. Okay, guys, let's keep this thing rolling. Let's go to the running back position. I think this one, the, the top two guys, I think are pretty obvious. It's like a 1A, 1B scenario, I think, in my opinion, this year. Branson Robinson who was going to be the guy coming into last year. He had a hell of a spring, got dinged up late in spring practice, missed the spring game. So unfortunately, we did not get to see him. Everyone I trust that saw him during spring practice, actually in practice, were raving about this guy and what he was going to do in 2023. He recovered from that injury in fall camp, but then promptly got re-injured and went out for the season with a patellar injury. So that was really unfortunate. We lost him for the entire season. That's a really tough injury to come back from. But everything I've heard is that he's on schedule. He's doing a really good job right now. I don't expect Branson to be available for spring practice. I think he will. I fully expect him to be available for fall camp. Now, will he be 100%? I, I don't know. No one knows. I would like to think so. I think there's a really good shot he will be. We're talking about a full year removed from the injury. So I think there's a really good chance. It wasn't an ACL, nothing like that. So I think he'll be fine in fall camp, but he's not going to be out there for spring practice. So what does that do? It opens up an opportunity for someone else to kind of really assert themselves and say, all right, you know, Branson might be legit. He might be that guy, but I'm also like a, a co-starter. And I think Trevor Etienne is going to be able to do that. I mean, he's the only other guy on the roster at the running back position that really has any sort of real experience. And not only does he have real experience, he has been a stud for Florida in the SEC, a very underutilized stud in my opinion, but a stud nonetheless, and now he's on our roster. So he is going to be the top guy during the spring. I have no doubt about that. And then you have a couple of interesting pieces, right? Roger Robinson, who was a freshman last year, played a decent amount the first couple of games before suffering a high ankle sprain and then missing basically the rest of the year, most of the rest of the year, came back late and, did a, and got some just like garbage time duty. Looked much better in the bowl game. What my big criticism of Rod all season or early in the season was that he was a big guy, a power back, but he wasn't running like a big back. He wasn't running behind his pads. That changed in the Orange Bowl against Florida State. Something clicked with that guy. He was running hard. He was running big, which is what he brings you. If he doesn't run big, I don't know what value he brings you, but he was running big and running powerful against Florida State. So I'd love to see that. So I think he might have a role uh, in some regard. Guys, you know, it's the SEC. Like we saw it last year. Basket injury. You got to have a couple of them ready to play. Um, obviously, Andrew... Paul was coming back from his ACL injury last year, and he was back. He was clear, but he was not 100%. As the season wore on, he started to get better and better. I mean, he didn't get much many carries, but he looked better. He looked more comfortable and confident and faster, more explosive later in the season. So I'm hopeful with another year of getting his legs under him that we're going to see a different version of Andrew Paul. So he'll factor in as well, but it's ETN, obviously, in the spring, in my opinion. So Branson's going to be that guy, one of those guys, when he comes back. I'm confident in that. And ETN's going to be right there behind him. And then we have a trio of guys that are going to be really good coming in in the freshman class. 
Chauncey Bowens is the only one of those three guys that's on campus right now for spring practice. Frazier and Dwight Phillips will be coming in in the spring, or in, I'm sorry, in the summer. So we'll revisit those guys, you know, six months from now. But right now it's Branson Robinson, Trevor Etienne, 1A, 1B in my opinion, at running back. And then offensive line, I think there's a lot of clarity here at offensive line in my opinion. I think left tackle, it's going to be Ernest Green as the start like it was last year. Uh, and then left guard, we're going to have Dylan Fairchild starting. At center, Jared Wilson, who was backing up Cedric Van Prand and did a really good job when he got opportunities last year. He will be the starting center almost certainly. Right guard, Tate Ratledge, he did not come back to sit on the bench. That guy is going to be a third-year starter for us. And right tackle, now this is the one where I do think there's going to be a position battle. Xavier Truss is coming back. That's a very interesting decision for him. I mean, I'm glad. Hey, you want to have a guy with that kind of experience all day, every day. Of course, you. I mean, absolutely, you take this guy. Doesn't mean he has to start, but I mean, it gives you a great security blanket. But he might start. He will be in a battle with Monroe Freeling at right tackle. I believe Monroe will win that job. I think he's more athletic. I think he's more of, of a fit at tackle. Uh, but Truss is like the ultimate sixth man. So I think he's going to factor in at right tackle, at left tackle, right guard, left guard. He is a utility piece. Like He can play guard. He can play either tackle position. So right now, I would put him as top backup at both right tackle and left tackle. And as we've seen in the past, really the past two years, each of the last two years, there very well could be and probably will be a three-man rotation at left and right tackle between Ernest Green, Monroe Freeling, and Xavier Truss. And then Micah Morris, I would say the same thing. We have three guys that played a lot for us at guard this year with Dylan Fairchild, Tate Ratledge, and Micah Morris. All three guys are coming back. I think it's a a three-man rotation there. Micah Morris play a little left guard, maybe a little right guard, and they'll move back and forth and uh, we'll be really strong there on the interior of that offensive line. I feel really good about the offensive line next year, guys. I know I know we're losing to Marius Mims, but I mean, the guy missed the majority of the season anyway. I mean, while he played like five games for us this year, we'll be okay. We'll be okay at offensive line. So yeah, again, I feel pretty strong there. Left tackle, uh, Ernest Green, Xavier Trust backing him up. Left guard, Dylan Fairchild with Micah Morris backing him up. Jared Wilson at center. That's the only spot where I'm like, I don't know who the backup is right now. Like, I think we're going to have to figure that out during spring practice. I mean, Micah Morris could play center. He, he's taken reps there before. So we'll have to see. I, I, I want to see what spring practice looks like before I throw anything out there. I just know it's going to be Jared Wilson to start. Then a right guard, Tate Ratledge, Micah Morris. Right tackle, Monroe Freeling, Xavier Truss. So that's the offense, guys. That's the offensive side of the ball. So let's flip things over and let's do this defense. And I want to start on the defensive line. Let's start at nose guard. Nas Stackhouse is coming back. So he is going to be the starter at the zero tech nose position. Okay, that's going to happen. Now, whatever you think about him, it doesn't matter. He's going to start. All right. I know that he did not have the season in 2023 that he had in 2022. We've talked about it. He did take a step back. I don't know if he was as hungry this year as he was in 2022. I don't know, but I think that's going to change in 2024. And backing him up, I think we're in a much better position. Last year, we were put into a position where we essentially had to play Christian Miller as the backup zero tech. Guys, Christian Miller is a 300-pound defensive lineman. He is a three-tech guy all the way, in my opinion. That's what his skill set is. But by necessity, we kind of had to play him in nose because we didn't have another body like Nas. We did in, in Jamal Jarrett, but Jaw was not ready physically. He was not ready like from a conditioning standpoint and physical standpoint to be that guy. He has a big body, but he wasn't ready to play. So what did that mean? Well, I mean, we had to play Christian Miller there. Uh, at times, Zion Lowe got a few reps there, sure, but we had Warren Brinson and Zion Lowe who were really repping. Like they were, they were trading off at that three-tech defensive tackle spot. So this year, Nas Stackhouse is going to be the starter, and I'm very, very, very hopeful that Jamal Jarrett is ready to take another step this year. He's got the body. He's got the ability. It's just a matter of, do you want it, dude? Do you want it? And I've seen really good signs. He looked really, really good. Like, and not even just like his play, his body in the Orange Bowl was dramatically different than what it looked like early in the season. Uh, he had a lot of bad weight, guys. Let's just call it what it is. He had a lot of bad weight. Give the guy credit. He spent the season, didn't whine, he worked. He did what the coaches asked him to do and clearly got his body in much better shape. Now, there's still some work to be done there, but he made a lot of progress during the season. I'm very hopeful these you know, these first three months of the year going into spring practice, he'll make even more progress and put himself in position to be a really, really big piece of what we do on the defensive line. Because you guys know as much as I do, we need help. We need impact players. And he's got the potential. Now, is he going to be that guy in his first year really playing at the college level as a redshirt freshman? I don't know. I mean, 
probably not the guy that we want him to be, but it doesn't mean he can't be a big time piece in what we do and a, and a contributor to what we do on the defensive line. And I think he will be that guy. And hopefully as the season wears on, he does grow into more of that impact type player. So I'm very hopeful. So I'm going to, I'm going to just do wishful thinking here. I'm going to say Nas is a starter, Jamal Jarrett backing him up at nose guard. Then the three tech defensive tackle spot. I think Warren Brinson's the guy. I love Warren Brinson guys. Like he's not as physical and quite as explosive as Jalen Carter. He's not. I mean, Jalen Carter was, a, what, defensive rookie of the year in, in the NFL this year, right? I think so. I think they already announced that. If not, he's going to be. Warren Brinson's not that. We know Warren Brinson is not that. But I love what Warren Brinson brings to the table. This guy has an explosive first step. He's really quick. He's a great one-gap penetrator. And we started to let him do a little bit more of that. That's always been one of those questions I've had. It's like, okay, I know traditionally we're a two-gap system, but we have some guys on our, on our defensive line right now that are having to play a lot of snaps. And their skill set is one gap. And we've been hesitant, reluctant at times to allow them to do that. And I get why. Like, we put an emphasis on structural integrity against the run. Like, we don't want to give up open gaps and let guys exploit that, let teams exploit that and create rush lanes. I understand. I get the idea behind it. I'm fully aware of why we do it. But sometimes I think it's like a square peg round hole scenario where these guys, they're not really built to two gap, you know, but Warren's gotten better at that. And and we have also freed him up a little bit more to do what he does. So we're trying to find the happy medium there. So I'm very high on Warren. I think he's going to be a really good player for us. It's, I mean, again, not going to be like an impact guy, the level of Jalen Carter. That's not what Warren is. And at this point, like we kind of know what he is, but he's still going to be a really good player for us. Christian Miller is another guy. I think he's a lot like Warren Brinson in that he's not a true two gap guy. He can do it. He's That's just not what he does best. I think he's more of a one gap penetrator with his really, really strong quickness, but he did a lot of good things for us this year. I was actually impressed with how he held up, how he held up at the nose, even though he's not really built for that spot. So then those two guys are going to play a lot. And I also think I'm hopeful, a lot like Jamal Jarrett, that Jordan Hall takes the step we need him to take. We've talked about it a lot on this show, guys. That's the spot we need more help than anywhere else on the team. Like if we want to get back to a national championship, like what was the biggest difference between us in 2023 and 2022? Demons of line play. That's what it was, guys. It wasn't that we were bad there. We just weren't dominant, which, which is what we were in 2021 and 22. We weren't last year. But guys like Jamal Jarrett and, and Jordan Hall – they are the guys in the roster that have the potential to be dominant. Now, they were young last year, so they weren't dominant, right? I mean, Jordan played, but he wasn't dominant. He flashed, but he wasn't dominant. Jaw didn't even play at all. So we got to see these guys take a step. I'm very hopeful that Jordan can take that big step. That I mean, we, I'm talking about a leap. Like, I need a leap from Jordan Hall because he's the guy that can be elite at the three-tech spot for us. Can Jordan play a little zero-tech nose guard? Yeah, I think he can do that. I think he's got some positional versatility. I like him more as a three-tech guy. So I, I'm going to say it's a three-man rotation there at Demons Attack right now. Brinson, Miller, and Jordan Hall. Now, I know we got Xavier McLeod coming from South Carolina. I need to see it from him, guys. Uh, you know, he basically played like half the year last year and then it was not even on a team. So I need to see the development there. I hope that he can give us something. I really do. I just don't know right now. So I need to see that in spring practice and kind of how he's developing before I even put him on this depth chart right now. Okay. Then let's go to the five tech defensive end position. Now, this is the spot that Michael Williams has been playing his first two years in Athens. Well, Michael Williams is no longer going to be playing the five tech. I'm not saying that we won't slide him over there at times, situationally, depending on opponent and down in distance and all those things and what we're trying to do defensively. I'm not saying he won't ever play there. But this guy is making the move to Jack. We saw that in the Orange Bowl. I told you guys that was coming before the Orange Bowl. And yeah, we saw it unleashed in the Orange Bowl, right? There you have it. It's happening. It's, it has already happened. It's going to happen even more so during spring practice. Now, why were we able to make that move? Well, our coaches felt comfortable making that move because Tyrion Ingram-Dawkins really emerged the back half of the season. I didn't really play. I mean, he was injured until the Florida game. Came in the Florida game, made an impact, and did some really good things for us there. So the fact that Tyrion Ingram-Dawkins earned our coaches' trust and is a really, really good football player in his own right, that gave us, that freed us up, gave us the opportunity to move Michael, made us comfortable with the ability to move Michael over to Jack. Now, we also have Gabe Harris, who was recruited almost like he was really like a Jack coming into college, but he really kind of emerged more as a five tech guy as the season went on. Because you got to think about it, like we have, you know, in that in that recruiting class, Gabe Harris, Samuel and Pimba, and David Wilson were all recruited basically as Jacks. Well, they're not all three going to play that position. And Gabe Harris is a guy that's taken more to the five tech position. So I think Tyrion Dawkins and Gabe Harris will give us something right there. And also, now here's where I'm going to throw my first true freshman into the mix: Joseph Jonah Ajanye. Love this guy. Has only been playing football for a couple of years, all right? From Nigeria, this guy is a freak of nature athlete. And he's already physical enough, in my opinion. He's already 
built enough to play in the trenches in the SEC. And you guys hear me talk about trench play in the SEC. I'm very, very skeptical of true freshmen typically being able to do that at a high level. Joseph Jonah Janye, I think it might be an exception to that rule. Because, I mean, guy, he is a big, strong, physical dude, and he is a freak athlete. Now, he has to know how to play that position, but I think he's a guy that can make an impact I mean, day one against Clemson. I really believe that he can. So I think he's going to factor in there as well. I know that's three guys at the five tech, and we don't always play three guys. We did at times last year. I mean, we played we play, uh, TID. We played Michael Williams and, of course, Tramel Walthour. So I think Joseph Jonajanye is going to factor into that rotation, and it might not be right away in spring practice, but I'm glad he's here for spring practice. And by fall camp, I mean, I think he's going to make a move, guys. I really, really do believe that. But all right, guys, there is the defensive line. We clearly still have the linebackers and the secondary to run through. But before we go there, I do want to remind you about our great friends at Alumni Hall. Guys, I was just in there like two days ago, and they have a ton of new stuff on the shelves. I mean, I was in there like two weeks ago, and I went in there, I don't know, was it like, what, Saturday? I think I stopped by for a second. And they had new stuff that I hadn't even seen yet, and a lot of it. So if you're in the market for some George gear, if you're trying to stay warm during these brutal winter months, stop in at Alumni Hall here in Athens inside the Edgeworth Shopping Center, or if you're not in the Athens area, no big deal. You can stop by online at alumnihall.com. We can find all the same great stuff, the best brands, the best styles, the best customer service, the best of everything, because Alumni Hall is where the bull dogs shop. All right, guys, let's keep this thing rolling and let's go with our inside linebacker room. Now, one of these is obvious. The second position, I think fairly obvious, maybe not as obvious. Let's go with the one I, I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100%. We're going to have Smile Munden starting at the money inside linebacker position. That's a done deal. That is happening. I do not see any scenario where that does not happen. I know we're all about competition and nobody's job is safe. I know all the talking points. I get that. Smile Munden is going to start. He's going to be a third-year starter for us, barring injury. Very confident there. Now, backing him up, that becomes a little interesting because that probably has a good bit to do with who starts at the other inside linebacker position, our Mac position, or old school Mike position, is what we used to call it back in the day. Now in our lingo at UGA, we call that the Mac position. But that's going to be CJ Allen, would be the odds-on favorite there. That's the guy who was playing that position when Pop Dumas Johnson went out late in the season. Now with Pop transferring over to Kentucky, it just makes sense. It's going to be CJ Allen, right? I do think that position is a little bit more open than the money position with Smile Munden, but I still feel right now that based off what we saw last year, the trust our coaches showed to him as a true freshman, the progress he made as a true freshman, while he was certainly not perfect as a true freshman, had some ups, had some downs, I think it's clear that he's got to be the favorite going into spring practice over so doing a way too early 2024 depth chart projection it's got to be CJ Allen but certainly not a done deal there because we have an incredibly talented inside linebacker room I would argue the most talented inside linebacker room in the entire country I mean we've got multiple guys that would start for just about every other team in the SEC and we're going to be trying to find time to get these guys on the field like you can't play all of them it's gonna be wild how much talent we have in that room this year you guys know I love Raylan Wilson I do think long-term, his potential, his ceiling is higher than that of C.J. Allen because I think he is a, a better athlete overall. I think Raylan Wilson has a shot to win that Mac position, but he's just not a prototypical Mac. He is more in the vein of a money linebacker in our system, which is a linebacker like Smile Munden, who, yeah, can fill between the tackles, but is also kind of a hybrid type linebacker who can go out there, who can cover tight ends, cover slot receivers, run sideline to sideline. He's more that kind of guy. I think he can certainly play Mac if he was pressed into duty there, but I do think he's more of a money. So that's why right now I would project him to be in a rotation with Smile Munden at that money linebacker position. Behind CJ Allen, now that one is going to be a wild battle because we have a ton of of talent in that room. Jalen Walker, who we know is a hybrid player of his own right, who plays a lot on the edges on third down situations, rushing the passer, but he is an inside linebacker. He was an inside linebacker last year. That's the room he played in. That is his base position. He doesn't have the size to hold up at the jack position consistently on standard downs. He is naturally an inside linebacker. That is his best position. In the NFL, he is going to be an inside linebacker who has pass rush abilities that can do some different things, can be versatile on third downs. 
And we need to use him as such. He has got to be on the field more. I made that clear late in the season. This guy has got to be on the field more. He can not only see, you know, a handful of snaps a game, 10, 11 snaps a game. That is unacceptable. This guy is our biggest game changer, playmaker on defense right now. Late in the season, he was that guy. He's got to play more. The question becomes, how do you get him on the field? Because again, standard downs, he's not really a jack. Okay, that's Michael Williams' role. That's what he's going to do for us this year. But then you got Smile Munden. You got CJ Allen, you got Raylan Wilson. So where does Jalen Walker fit in? Now I would say watching the Orange Bowl, very small sample size. And when we saw Jalen play inside linebacker at times throughout the year, I thought he looked fantastic. He is a natural inside linebacker. And he's put on some good weight since he's gotten to college. Like he's bulked up to play more of that pass rushing role on the edge on third downs, but he's still not quite big enough to do that on standard downs, in my opinion. So he's got more size now where I think he actually could play our Mac position. So, so if someone does take that Mac position from CJ Allen, I think it's going to be Jalen Walker. His athleticism, his skill set, his versatility, and he's added good size where I think he can hold up in that role. I think he could play either one. I think he could play money. I think he could play Mac, but he's got to play. He's at the very least got to be in our rotation. He's got to be on the field more. You got to find ways to make that happen. He's too much of a game changer, too much of a playmaker to have this guy on the bench as much as he was on the bench last year. That's got to change, okay? Got to change. For a defense that needs playmakers, guys that can rush the passer and create havoc, you can't have that guy on the bench. Simply cannot, okay? But then you got a guy like Troy Bowles, who I thought actually looked good. Again, some very small sample size from this year in the Orange Bowl. I mean, everyone on the defense kind of looked good in the Orange Bowl, but I thought even on the hoof, he looked good. I, I really liked him coming out of high school. I just think he's still a little bit behind guys like Raylan Wilson, CJ Allen, Jalen Walker. So I don't know if he factors into the inside linebacker rotation this year. And then you got the freshman coming in, guys. Two freaking studs. Really three. Chris Jones is a really good player in his own right, but... We know the number one linebacker in the country, Justin Williams, is an athletic freak. I think he needs to add a little bit of weight to be able to play in the SEC, but he's got the frame to do that. Chris Cole is another guy who needed to add some weight. He was a converted safety. And this is a guy, when we when we got his commitment back in the summer, I was like out of this world excited. I was sky high on this guy because when you turn the tape, you see the athletic potential. Now he's raw at that position. He played safety early in high school, has converted inside linebacker. He was really too thin. He was too thin to play inside linebacker in college, but you saw the frame and you saw what he could grow into. Like kind of what Quay, I saw Quay Walker. And that's why I told you guys, like this is, this is a guy that can be what Quay Walker was for us. Quay wasn't a project, but he didn't really play inside linebacker, true inside linebacker in high school. Need to add some weight and he needed a year development. But when he got that year development, he turned into a first round draft pick. And now he's starting the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. I think Chris Cole could follow a similar, tra- a similar trajectory. However, Chris Cole added a lot of good weight this year, guys, as a senior, and really took his game as an inside linebacker to an entirely different level, to the point that he was just moved up to a five-star in the final 247 ratings. So this guy, I, I was saying all along, this guy's a five-star talent, and yeah, you know, they finally figured out after the after the um, All-Star games, like, oh yeah, this guy's legit, and he is. Like He's a freaking stud. We got... I think maybe two, the two best inside linebackers in the country in this class. I think when we look back, we might very well say that. So how do you find playing time for those guys? Because they are uber talented, and it's almost impossible to keep them off the field, but yet you got Smile Munden and Raylan Wilson and C.J. Allen and Jalen Walker, so where do they fit in? We'll see. It's going to be a hell of a competition in spring practice. It's going to be a hell of a competition in fall camp to see who's going to get into that rotation. We're going to have a rotation. I would say at least a four-man rotation. I don't know if we'll go beyond that, but who's going to be in that four-man rotation? That still remains to be seen. I think Smiles, the guy I feel the most confident in. CJ Allen, based on what we saw last year, you have to think he'll probably be in that rotation. I love Raylan Wilson. Again, what we saw last year, I would like to think he's in that rotation. The fourth guy, we'll see. I, I think it's going to be Jalen Walker, but the young guys are going to push, man. They're going to make it really hard on all these guys. They are not going to let up because they are insanely talented, insanely athletic, and we are in really good hands at the inside linebacker position. All right, sticking at linebacker, let's move over to the jack position. Now, this is an this is an intriguing position. I think this is a position that's going to be played almost by committee in a way, based on downs and distances, situational football, opponent, game plan, all that kind of stuff. But what we know is that Michael Williams is making the move to Jack. I do think situationally you're going to see him at five at the five tech at times, but he is going to move into that room as a Jack linebacker. Why would you do that? Well, number one, he is 
outside of Jalen Walker, probably our best natural pass rusher on the team. The five-tech defensive end position in our defense, as we've talked about many times, year after year on the show, is not a glamorous position in our defense. It is not a pass rushing position. Yeah, on third down, you want those guys to rush, pass, rush the passer. We've done some different things. Then we move him inside on guard, try to get him a good matchup. We've done all that kind of stuff, but it's just not a pass rushing position. It's primarily a run-stopping position. Pass rush is secondary. Well, Michael's greatest strength, he's gotten better as a run defender at setting the edge, but his greatest strength still is as a pass rusher. So you're going to move him in a position where he can make more of an impact as a pass rusher. That's number one. Number two, we know that we were not as good stopping the run this this year as we have been in years past in those runs to national championships. Well, there's a couple reasons for that. We talked about one of them. The interior defensive line was not as strong, not as dominant, not as freakish as it had been. The other reason was we were not as good on the edge. We had a lot of trouble setting the edge consistently. Far too many teams had way too much success running the ball on the edges against us, whether it's outside zone, whether it's quarterback run stuff. Too much success on the edges. A big reason for that was that we didn't have the size at that position to be able to do the things that we need to do consistently set the edge. Chaz Chambliss played the majority of the standard downs for us at Jack this year. I think Chaz is a valuable player. It's a like Pop Dumas Johnson for me. You know, Chaz is what he is. He has physical limitations, but the guy has value. I said all along that Pop Dumas Johnson had physical limitations. That was obvious to me, but it didn't mean he didn't have value. He did things, He did. there are certain things that he did really well. You know, playing between the tackles, old school, you know, downhill inside linebacker play. That's what that guy did. That's what he excelled at. Problem is for him, not many offenses want to run the ball right at you this day and age like they did in the past. Like you go back 15 years ago, Pop Dumas Johnson would have been an All-American. This age, he's somewhat out of place to a degree. And Chaz is a lot the same way. Like there's there are things that he just can't do. Like there are physical limitations. He's not a great pass rusher. I mean, he had zero sacks this year. That's just not what this guy does. That's not what he brings to the table. What he brings to the table is effort and physicality. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but the guy works hard and he will throw his body into pullers with reckless abandon. He will blow up those pulling guards, pulling tackles, pulling centers, whoever's pulling in his face. He did a great job of that. There's value in that. My criticism of Chaz was always, well, you got to have some awareness. Throwing your body and in, in what we doing what we call closing on those pullers in our defense, that's great. You do a great job at that. And I and I appreciate that because like that's not a glamorous thing either. Like you're not getting the tag, you're not getting credit for that, right? But you've also got to have awareness when the when you're closing on a pulling guard, pulling tackle, whoever. If you see the ball carrier run by you, I don't know, reach out, tackle him, right? Make a play on him. That's what Nolan Smith did very, very well. Nolan Smith did a great job of closing on those pullers, but also could still maintain the ability to make the play on the ball carrier. Chaz has trouble doing that consistently. That is not going to be as much of a problem with Michael. He's bigger, he's stronger, right? He can blow up the pullers like Chaz does. And I also think he has the athleticism and the wherewithal, the awareness to be able to also make the play on the ball carrier the way that Nolan Smith did. Nolan Smith was never the pass rusher that we all hoped he would be in, in college, but he was a, a hellacious run defender. He was far better as a run defender than he was as a pass rusher in college. And I think we're going to see that with Michael as well on standard down. So I think it will beef up our run defense on standard downs. Also, give us more of a pass rush on third downs. Now, when we get to third and long situations, when we bring our dying package in, will Michael be playing Jack? Probably not. I would say he'd probably move inside as he's done in years past. And then on those in those situations, you have Jalen Walker or Damon Wilson come in, give you a little more athleticism off that off that edge and rush the passers. You get more pass rushers on the field. But Michael, in my opinion, is going to see the majority, the lion's share of the snaps at Jack on standard downs for us this year. I think it's going to solve a couple things. It's going to solve the, the edge issues we had in terms of stopping the run on the edge, on the perimeter last year, and also give us more of an actual natural pass rush on standard downs. We do a great job rushing the passer on third downs. We just don't do a good enough job on standard downs. And I think Michael can help us solve that. So that's the why, and that's why I believe he's going to be the number one guy there. Number two, I mean, Chaz is going to play, but Chaz you know, Chaz played, I mean, what, about 40, 45% of our snaps this year at Jack. That's probably going to go down to about 20-ish percent would be my guess, maybe a little bit less than that. He's going to play, but he's not going to be as much of a factor. He won't see as many snaps. I think Damon Wilson will also factor in more situationally as a pass rusher. He still needs to put on some weight to be able to do the things that Chaz Chambliss and Michael Williams can do on standard downs, closing against the run, setting the edge. He can do it. He's just not as good right now. He needs to continue to add weight. I'm very curious and excited to see how he builds his body 
during this offseason? Because if he does, then he can certainly factor in there. But I think those are your top three guys, right? I think you're going to have Michael, Chaz, and then Damon Wilson more situationally. And we'll see Samuel and Pimba is, has a good body himself. And I saw some really good things from him when he got opportunities this year as well. So maybe he's going to try to factor in there. I think him and Damon Wilson will certainly be battling for snaps this year at that Jack linebacker position. All right, so first level, second level, let's get to the third level. Let's talk about this secondary. It's really wide open outside of one position, which would be Malachi Starks at safety. Malachi Starks is starting at safety. We know that. Everything else, very much up in the air. I think we're going to have some crazy intense position battles, a lot of really fun position battles at star, at corner, and at the other safety position. Now, the good thing for us, although there's not much clarity right now, there are so many talented options to choose from. And that's what makes it fascinating, right? It's like, which talented five stars going to step up and win a job, right? There's a ton of them, and we don't know. And it's going to be fun to watch it play out over the course of spring practice and going into fall camp. Dalen Everett, we know, started last year opposite Kamari last year. So it, it would stand to reason he's an odds-on favorite to start at one of those cornerback spots. Now, I think it's a, a tenuous hold right now. I mean, he had a tenuous hold at times last year because, you know, as the season went on before his injury, Julio Humphrey... Julian Humphrey, I know some people get confused when I say Julio, that's just his nickname. He was starting to eat into those snaps. But with Kamari Lasher leaving, I think Julian Humphrey sticking around in the transfer portal, I think he's probably the favorite right now to earn that starting spot to replace Kamari Lasher. So I think right now at cornerback, if we had to handicap it right now on January 23rd, I would say Dalen Everett at one side because he started last year. It's the safest bet. And then Julian Humphrey at the other cornerback where Kamari Lasher is playing. But again, those those position battles are very, very, very much up in the air, and it's not a strong hold on those spots because Daniel Harris is going to have a say in that battle at both those spots. You saw him in the Orange Bowl, guys. I'm telling you, our coaches all, all season long love this guy. I mean, he just worked and worked and worked and earned the opportunity to play significant snaps against Florida State in the Orange Bowl. And you guys saw him out there. The length on this guy is unbelievable. We have no one else on the roster right now at the cornerback position that has the length he has. He's, he's tall for a corner, but beyond that, the arm length. I mean, his knuckles are basically dragging on the ground, guys. I mean, that's, that is crazy kind of length this man has. And that is what you need at the cornerback position. He's also a really, really good athlete. I'll just say this. There is a reason our coaching staff fought so hard to keep this guy in the fold and to keep him from entering the portal. Don't forget, I mean, remember, he like that one night Put out there on social media, he's entering the portal. And then he took that back real quick because our coaches called in the office and they're like, hey, dude, like, uh uh-uh, come on. Like, we need you. We're telling you you have a big opportunity here at Georgia. Same thing that we did with Julian Humphrey. I would not be shocked. We haven't done this a ton in the past. We did maybe a little bit more this year with Dalen Everett and Julian Humphrey. It wouldn't shock me to see some sort of rotation at cornerback this year. It really wouldn't. Again, that's not a position we typically rotate at. But with the talent we have and there just really not being a ton of separation between a lot of these guys, it would not shock me because you want to keep these guys happy and keep them on the roster, right? You want to do that ideally. So how do you do that? Well, you make sure they all get a chance to play. If you do the situation where like only two guys play corner, then all the other guys are going to transfer. And these two guys leave when Julian leaves and when Dalen leaves, like who's left? Well, I mean, I know we keep recruiting really highly rated guys, but you like to keep these guys on roster as much as you can. So it wouldn't shock me to see some sort of rotation. I think Daniel Harris will certainly be a factor. I think Ellis Robinson, the fourth, the number two player in the entire country. I know he's a true freshman and true freshman. I always think it's a luxury if they start. I never count on it. And I'm not counting on it with Ellis, but I think Ellis is probably the best player in the country coming out of high school this year. I mean, that guy is unbelievable. And in high school, it's not just a case of him dominating just lesser talent. I mean, the guys he's playing aren't as talented as him because like he is a freakish player, but he plays high-level talent, guys. I mean, he played at IMG, went to all these seven-on-seven camps, went to the Elite 11, dominated Jeremiah Smith, who's now moved to the number one player in the country. This guy is legit. And I'm not saying he's going to start, but I think he's going to push, man. I absolutely think he's going to push. Our coaches also like Kyron Jones. Heck, I love the other two freshmen that stuck. I mean, Ellis Robinson's the, the headliner, but DeMello Jones is awesome too, guys. And so is Andre Evans. Both those guys are legit. I think inside linebackers are our most talented room right now on this team. Cornerback's a close second, y'all. I mean, we are loaded at corner right now. And a lot like inside linebacker, it's going to be a hell of a task to try, to try to keep all those guys happy. You're not going to be able to keep all those guys happy, but we want to try to keep as many of them as we possibly can, which is why I think there might be some sort of a rotation unless a couple guys just really separate themselves. And maybe that happens. But right now, I don't know if we have guys that have truly separated themselves. But again, if I go back to it right now, I would handicap it and say Dalen Everett and Julian Humphrey start. 
and I would say Daniel Harris, and let's go. I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm going to go Ellis Robinson. So that's my second true freshman I'm, I'm talking about here, putting him in the depth chart. I'll put those two guys in the two deep right now. Now, don't quote me on cornerback, y'all. Don't quote me on cornerback. I'm very liable to go back and change this once we get to a, a version two of this when we do the, the post-spring depth chart. But right now, heading into spring practice, a couple months ahead of spring practice, that's how I would I would handicap it right now, January 23rd. And then at safety, yeah, Malachi Starks, the starter opposite him. Woo, man, I know we were all hoping Caleb Downs. Not going to be Caleb Downs, but it's okay, guys. We have a ton of really good options there. I think Janelle Aguero is an interesting guy. Let's talk about star as well. We know Janelle was essentially our backup star this year, right? He can clearly play that. He can play star. He's a great fit at star because he's physical and athletic because you have run fit responsibility when you play the star position in our defense. You've got to be able to excel against the run and be a really good, strong tackler, but also be able to defend, you know, tight ends and cover tight ends, cover slot receivers, all those shifty guys. And I think he he, can, he certainly fits that bill athletically. But let's not forget, we recruited this guy initially as a safety. He can play safety, y'all. That's what he did in high school. So I think he's got some versatility there. It's one of these things where I think we're going to be able to mix and match and get the best the best five on the field, right? So I've mentioned this before, going back to last season, the end of last season. It would not shock me to see a scenario if we feel really good about like, I don't know, Daniel Harris or Ellis Robinson the fourth at corner. It would not shock me to see Dalen Everett get a shot to play inside and see what he can do there. Because he also has a, he's not as big as Aguero, but he's got the physical profile to be able to play the star and hold up with those run fits. I mean, that's the reason, in my opinion, why he started over Julian Humphrey this year. Julian Humphrey's a better cover guy, as I said many times, but Dalen was a more physical presence on the perimeter. And he was a better tackler. He would blow up screens, perimeter run game, whatever it is. He was better at that. And Kirby Smart puts a premium on that in our defense. And he also practiced really hard. And there was all, you know, this. well, I don't go much further than that. Yes, he practiced hard, good practice habits. Kirby respects that. And he wants guys to work hard, so he rewards that in practice. But I think he can play star. So if you have a guy, let's say we have a cornerback, like maybe Daniel Harris, who we think is a better player than whoever we were going to look at it stall at safety if we had Janelle at star. So let's say that we think, I don't know, that Daniel Harris is a better player than Ja'Cory Thomas. That's safety, right? Well, okay, in that scenario, well, why don't we slide Dalen Everett inside? We, we want Janelle on the field. We think he's one of our best five, but we can move him to safety. That would not shock me at all. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't have any inside knowledge on that. That's just me speculating and looking at what we have on the roster. So I don't know. It's very possible Janelle Aguero could end up at safety. Right now, though, based off what we know, based off what we saw last year with him backing up Tyke Smith at star, I'm going to cautiously put him at star again this year as our top option there. Now, backing him up, that's a very interesting question. I honestly don't know right now. I really don't know. Kyron Jones is a guy potentially that could maybe get a look there, but we're going to have to get creative there because I don't know if we have a, a true fit there body type-wise outside of Janelle or maybe Dalen Everett. Could one of the safeties do it? Could David Daniel do it? Could Ja'Cory Thomas do it? Maybe. I I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. I don't know if they're good enough to... I don't know if I trust them covering some of those slot receivers from that position. I don't know. We'll see. It, it's possible. We'll probably do a lot of cross-training there, a lot of experimentation during spring practice, but Janelle will certainly factor in there one way or another. Again, right now, I'm going to project him as a starter at star, but there's not much clarity behind him. It's really hard to project that. Maybe Kyron Jones, maybe Dalen Everett. You know, maybe if something happened to Janelle, we cross-train Dalen and we move him inside. He starts at corner, but we move him inside. If something happens to Janelle, then you slide Daniel Harris or Ellis Robinson or whoever into cornerback. That's really a possibility. So we'll see what happens there. And then the other safety position, this one is wide open. I mentioned Corey Thomas. I mentioned David Daniel. Hey, let's not forget Dan the man, Dirty Dan. He is back this year. And of course, we got five-star true freshman, top 15 player in the country, KJ Bolden coming in, who will absolutely factor into this equation. He's on campus early in Roley. That's wide open, y'all. I, I don't know, man. Again, Janelle Aguero very well could factor into that position. So this is the position of all the positions where I'm going to be honest with y'all. I'm just throwing an educated guess out there. I'm just guessing here. I don't know. There's a lot of options and there's not a clear answer. There's not much clarity at this position, but a lot of ways... I know it's unsettling to not know who that guy is going to be, but in a lot of ways, it's nice to know that we have 
a lot of options there, a lot of really talented options. It's very comforting. It's not like we're just, you know, scratch our heads saying, oh, I don't know, man. Do we have anybody that can play that spot? No, that's not where we are. We're in a situation where it's like, well, we have a number of really talented options here. I just don't know who it's going to be, who has separated themselves. Because it was Javon and Malachi last year. David Daniel got a start when Javon went down. And that's why I would right now, considering his experience in the system, he does have more experience playing than any of those other guys. You know, when Dan went down in 2022, David Daniel became a big part of our dime package. And he started a game last year when Javon went down. So right now, my educated guess would be David Daniel open spring as our starter opposite Malachi Starks. But he is going to have to earn that spot. Y'all. It is not going to be easy. He's going to have to hold off some really talented players. Again, Ja'Cory Thomas, I know people don't talk about him as much. He wasn't as high profile of a recruit. Our coaches really like this guy. I really like this guy. I've seen good things when he's gotten out there on the field. K.J. Bolden is ultra-talented. We understand that. Can he pick up the, the defense enough as a true freshman to earn the coach's trust, especially at safety? That's a big thing in our defense. We know Malachi Stars was able to do that, but let's also remember he didn't start the season. He, he started game two as a true freshman. So, so maybe, maybe K.J. Bolden can do that. I'm open to the possibility, but I don't know yet. I, I need to see it first. So right now, I think the safe bet being cautious here with this way too early projection. Let's go David Daniel, and I'll go Ja'Cory Thomas with the understanding that, yes, K.J. Bolden absolutely could push not only to be in the 2D, but to actually start that position. I just need to see a little bit more on the field. And, again, cannot count Janelle Guerrero. Guy's gonna, he's going to start somewhere, in my opinion, whether it's at safety or star. Right now, I'm just going to go with star at the moment. But this is just version 1.0, our way, way, way too early 2024 Georgia football depth chart projection. We will revisit this after spring practice, and then we'll do it again at some point in the summer during fall camp. We'll update it as we get more information. We'll update it accordingly. But all right, guys, that's all I've got for you today. I know I waited a little longer, a little too long to get this out there, but we made all that breaking news. So we just had to push it back. It's all good. We got it in. And I'll be back on Thursday with our weekly Georgia basketball talk. We'll recap the loss at Kentucky. We'll recap the game against LSU tomorrow, which I will be at. Hopefully I'll see some of you guys there. And we'll also look forward to Saturday's game in Gainesville against, yeah, Florida. They suck. So we'll have a lot of fun talking basketball. But thank you guys for being here. Appreciate you. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>